is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Really good to have you with us this morning, particularly, as Adam said, if you're visiting us here at Quad, or maybe you're visiting us online. I can't see the camera because of the light, but I think it's there. I think it's just above James's head. So I'll look in that direction and say, welcome to those of you with us online this morning. Good to have you here as well. So this morning is really a sort of a part two message to last week's preach. But if you weren't here last week, don't worry, you're not going to miss out because I'm going to summarize it for you very quickly. And uh, you can always look at it online later if you wanted to, uh, to get the whole thing. But last week, rather than, it's a bit quite unusual for me really, rather than take the Bible and say we're going to look at this particular passage together, last week I told the story of how we as a church have come to the place uh, of feeling that God is leading us to be more outward looking and, and to look for opportunities freshly to serve the city and to, uh, to reach those who don't know Jesus yet and demonstrate and show God's love and grace to them. And um, we, we talked about that and talked about the journey that we'd been on over recent months. And uh, if you would like to hear the whole message, you can see that on our YouTube channel. You can go and take a look there. And, and in fact, if you are part of Jubilee or you think you might be, uh, I'd encourage you, in fact, to watch that message if you didn't see it last week. I don't often say that. It's not that it was particularly brilliant. I'm saying you should watch it, but it's just so key to us over the coming few months. I'd love you to be caught up in the story as to what God has been saying to us. So the summary is that a number of times a year, three or four times a year at the moment, we're going to be looking not, not to gather here on a Sunday for worship, but rather to gather in different locations around the city for mission and looking for opportunities to serve, love, bless, reach, demonstrate the love of God to the city that God has called us to. And we're going to be working with some great partner organizations and friends of ours that are already doing a fantastic job in the city and looking to see how we can encourage and bless what they're already involved in. And I do believe it's an exciting sort of phase for our life as a church. We talked a little bit earlier about it being a new season, and I do feel it's a new season for us as a church as we move into uh, the next few months ahead. So... Jubilee Church, it feels like has turned a bit of a page, a new chapter, and we're excited to see what God would have for us. It's interesting, if you look at the meaning of the word Jubilee in Scripture, you'll find the concept that the year of Jubilee was something that brought great joy and great celebration, great relief as well. And um, you find it in Leviticus 25, it says, consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each one of you is to return to his family property and each to his own clan. You could look at what happened. There's a great sense of celebration and restoration of things that had been, been lost. Property was returned to its original owner. Land is returned to the family from which it was bought and slaves are to be freed. I mean, it's, it's worth celebrating about, wasn't it? Worth getting excited about, great rejoicing. What a radical way to live. 
It really was. No wonder there was such celebration about it. But I wonder, you know, friends, shouldn't we be looking at a radical way of living as well? Maybe not quite like that in, in our context and day, but I wonder what does radical living for Jesus look like in our day and age and in our time? One of the things it must look like is to serve the city that God has called us to and placed us in. I don't know why you've ended up in Derby. Maybe you were born here. Maybe you grew up here. Maybe you've always lived here. Maybe you came here to, to study, to uni, and you just sort of stayed. You know, maybe you came here because the person you were getting married to lived here, and you just ended up here. Maybe you were in Derby because you felt God spoke to you specifically about moving here and being part of what he wanted to do in this city. That, that was my story some years ago, moving up from southeast London um, to a city that God spoke to me about that I didn't know anything about at the time and certainly had never visited prior to, to coming here. But whatever your story is, whatever your journey is, however you've ended up here, maybe it was a job move or maybe it was to be near a family, it could be a whole range of things. However you've ended up here, it's because God has been in it. And whatever the circumstances have been that have got you here, it's because God has been at work. And now that you are here, now that we are here, God calls us to love and to bless the city that we're part of. And so that's what serving the city is about. And I'm reminded about what God said to Jeremiah. Maybe you're familiar with the passage in Jeremiah 29 says, Seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you will prosper. You know, it's right and good to pray for our city, to pray for the prospering of our city and its inhabitants. Now, Jeremiah was writing to a people who didn't think much about where they were living at the time. They wanted to be back home in Jerusalem. And um, Jeremiah saying to them, actually, pray for where you are. Pray for it to prosper. Pray for God to be at work. Now, I don't think that God has carried us into exile and placed us here. I'm not saying it goes that far at all. But just as... God was telling the people of Jeremiah's time to love the city they were part of. He's, he's saying that to us as well. So whilst I did enjoy telling that story last week, it was a bit strange not to be picking up the word of God and saying, well, let's look at this passage together. But we are going to be doing that today. And I want to take us to Luke chapter 15. So if you've got a Bible with you, be it uh, old school printed type like this, or be it new school on your phone type, then if you can find Luke chapter 15, we'll read some verses together in a moment. But before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that already you've spoken to us this morning. And we pray now as we open up your word together that once again you would speak to us and it would come alive to us. We pray, Lord, that you would Come by your Holy Spirit and be our teacher this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in Luke chapter 15, we have 
what I call the lost trilogy. And it's three stories, three parables that Jesus tells all to illustrate the same point, that lost people matter to God. If they matter to him, then they should matter to us as well. We have a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. Now, I've preached from this chapter numerous times, and normally what I end up doing is uh, homing in on the story or the parable of a lost son. And that's often where we spend time. But this morning, I'm going to do it differently. Don't worry, it doesn't mean sort of interpret it in the medium of dance. It's not that different. Another time, maybe. Another time. <laughs> but rather, I want to look at the story or the parable of the lost sheep. Before we get there, let's real quick look at the, the coin and the sun for just a few moments. We've got Jesus telling the story of a woman who loses a coin. Now, I can relate to this because I am forever losing my wedding ring. I've got this really bad habit of taking it off to wash my hands or to put on cream. or I'm, I'm always putting it, taking it off and putting it in my pocket or putting it down. So constantly, I'm always saying to Sarah, I've lost my ring. Have you seen it? I'll put it down somewhere. And invariably, there'll be some searching around and um, she will generally say, yes, it's in the bathroom where you left it. Again. <laughs> and, and this happens on a pretty regular basis in, in our house. A couple of weeks ago, I thought I'd lost it for good. I mean, it was, it was not good. Uh, I was heading out for it to speak at an event of an evening and I've been getting ready, and suddenly I realized that I haven't got my ring on. I'm like, well, I can't go out without it on. That would just be dreadful. So I'm sort of searching around, scrubbing around. Where did I put it last? Did I have, it, did I have a shower? Did I take it off? I could not find it anywhere. And I'm getting more and more anxious at this point, thinking it doesn't feel right to go out without wearing it. That would be a bit strange for me. It would anyway. And I, I, I don't know where it is. And I'm getting increasingly agitated, more and more stressed, more and more het up about it. And the time's ticking. I'm like, I should have gone te 10 minutes ago. I said to Sarah, I don't know where it is. Uh, she said, I'll look for it. You just need to go. So I'm, I'm heading out, going to this meeting. I think I'm, I'm trying to get my head in gear to, to speak at it. Oh, I could not find it anywhere. And then I get to this meeting and I'm a bit of a style. I'm later than I wanted to be. I'm a bit, bit of a state, and I thought, oh, I, just, I just need to, you know, get on with it. Put my hand in my pocket. So bring out, now I've looked in my pocket already. It was not in my pocket. It's not some magic trick. And I, looked, I thought, I need, I need something to sort of calm my nerves. I have a polo, my ever-present packet of polo. So pull out the packet of polos from my pocket, and there and behold, on the end of the packet of polos is my wedding ring. It turns out, that a packet of polos has the same external diameter as my ring finger. Who knew? There you go. So, so I found what I thought was lost. And, and excitedly, I'm telling the person I'm with, and they're looking at me a bit curiously, like, why is this such a big deal for you? And, um, well, I, but I was happy about it. So and then, in Jesus' story, the woman loses something of value to her. It's a coin. Searches everywhere, can't find it. When she finds it, she's ecstatic. Much celebration. She, she gathers her friends and neighbours and can't wait to tell them the good news. So I'm telling you this morning, 
It's good news. I found it. There it is. I'll probably still keep taking it off and still keep losing it, but hopefully not properly lose it. But you know, if you've ever lost something of value, there's that terrible feeling, isn't there? Gosh, where is it? And particularly if it's of immense sentimental or emotional value, not just a monetary thing, but you know, I, you know, I, I could replace it, buy a new one, but that, that's not the point. It means something. If you've ever lost something that means something to you, 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 you know what I'm talking about. Remember, Jesus is talking about people who are lost matter to God. He talks about a parable, uh, talks about his lost son. He tells a story, a parable about the lost son, and the stakes are now high. It's not just a coin or a sheep, but now we have a son, a person who is lost. Now, I love this story. I, I could preach all morning on this. It's, it's a fantastic story. I need to be careful not to because I want to get to the sheep. But I'm sure many of you will know this story well. The youngest son goes to his father and says, Dad, I want the inheritance that I've got coming now. Jesus' listeners would have been aghast at this. They would have been saying, I know what's coming to you, son, and it's not the inheritance. You know, it was outrageous that he should ask for it. It's like saying to his father, I wish you were dead. But his father gives him his inheritance, and off he goes and uh, squanders it in what the Bible calls wild living. So Jesus' listeners are pretty agitated at this point. They're, they're pretty cross with this young son who's shown such disrespect to his father. But many of you will know how the story goes. He goes off, spends all the money, wastes it, and eventually finds himself out of cash, out of friends, doesn't know what to do, so decides the best option would be to head home and ask his father for a, for a job as a servant, just for somewhere to live and to be able to, to, be able to eat. And uh, he, he goes off and just as he's seen in the distance, the father sees him coming home and runs towards him. And so sort of jumps in on the plan where the son has got, I'm going to say sorry, and can I come back? Can I be a servant? Can I live? It sort of cuts across all that. Runs to him and greets him and embraces him. The son only gets out half of his speech before the father interrupts him. Great commentator Kenneth Bailey says this. He says, the son sees the point is not the lost money, but the broken relationship which he cannot heal. He understands now that the new relationship must be a pure gift from his father. Isn't that true of us? We can't heal the relationship that's gone wrong between us and God. Any relationship we have with him now must come only as a pure gift of grace from God himself. It's a great story. We could spend all morning on there, but we need to get to the sheep. So, Luke 15, first seven verses. If you've got it, just turn to it in front of you. Luke 15, 1 to 7. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, 
he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. I feel it's this story of the lost sheep that has something to teach us today. Now, if I'm honest with you, when I was younger, this parable baffled me somewhat. I remember reading it and hearing it in Sunday school as a child. I mean, it's a story that's often told in, in Sunday schools, in kids' church, isn't it? And I remember hearing this and thinking, I'm not sure I really understand it. I mean, why on earth would the shepherd leave 99 sheep and go off looking after, looking for just one? I mean, he had 100. He's lost one. He's still got 99. That's not that bad, is it? I mean, it's only a 1% loss. I was good at maths. Why leave the 99? Why risk the 99 to go after the one? It just doesn't make any sense at all. And I remember hearing it told and I remember reading it thinking, I, I really don't get it. I don't understand why on earth the shepherd would leave the 99 sheep. At one point I thought, it's okay. I bet what the shepherd did was round up the 99, get them safely in a sheep pen, you know, put the gate across, leave the sheepdog there like guard, and then go off and look for the one. Maybe that's what happened. It's not what Jesus says. What does he say? Suppose he has 100 sheep, lose one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? I'm like, now I'm really confused. It's not that he rounds up the 99, gets them safely in the pen, gate shut, guard dog there. No, he, he leaves the 99 and heads off looking for the one. Like, this just, just doesn't make any sense at all. Why would he risk it? Why would he do that? And it wasn't until I got older that I began to understand something of the heart of God's. God goes after the one. He goes after the one. It's not the 99 aren't important to him. But he goes after the one. Why is that? Because God loves individuals. He knows them by name. He cares for them. He loves them. He goes after the one. See, the truth is that if you were the only person on earth that needed saving, the only person that needed forgiveness, Jesus still would have come and still would have died just for you. In the parable that Jesus tells, the, the shepherd then goes out looking for this one who is lost. This one who has lost their way from the others. This one who is vulnerable. This one who is fragile. This one who has got disconnected from the 
community of sheep. Goes after them and searches and searches high and low until he finds it. And then when he finds his sheep, again, great rejoicing, joyfully puts it on his shoulders, goes home, calls his friends and neighbours together, says, hey, rejoice with me, I've found my lost sheep. Such celebration and such joy over the one who was lost and is now found. What's the point Jesus is making? We know it, don't we? Lost people matter to God. And if they matter to him, then they, he sh they should matter to us too. But why was I feeling that I wanted to talk about the sheep story today? Well, I think it was more to do with the 99. As I was reading it and, and praying about today, just over recent weeks, I was thinking, actually, what about the 99? You know, for the one who was lost, he gets the shepherd looking for him and goes after him, leaving the other 99 and thinking, well, you know, I need to find this one and searches high, low, finds it and then takes it back home. What about the 99? What about the others that he leaves to focus on this one? I'm not sure on the thinking capacity of a sheep. If we have any, vet, you know, any vets in today, you can maybe tell me afterwards. Did they think through, what's he doing? Doesn't seem right. Why leave us? Go look for the one. I don't know. But I'm looking at it thinking, if I was one of the 99, I'd be thinking, why bother? You've got 99? Just, you know, he's always wandering off. That one, you know, little Charlie, he's always going. He's always getting lost. He's always coming home late. Just let him go. You've got 99. It's okay. But the shepherd goes after him because God goes after the lost. But what about the 99? You know, as we begin a fresh focus as a church, saying, God, we feel that you're turning us outwards. You're wanting to focus our gaze on those who are far from you. We feel that God's speaking to us afresh about serving the city, reaching those who don't know Jesus yet, demonstrating his love and his grace, his goodness, his mercy and his care. We feel God stirring us about these things, going after those who are lost, going after those who don't know Jesus yet and looking to demonstrate the love and the goodness and the joy of God to them. You might be thinking, a bit like the 99 sheep maybe, what about us? What about us? You know, what about the 99 that are here already? Don't, don't we, know we need looking after, caring for, loving and all that? You might, you might think, well, you know, there are, there are lots of needs here. There are lots of things that, you know, People are struggling with or, you know, just working through. Why, why don't we get these things sorted out first and, and then go looking for the lost? Those who are far from God currently. Those who don't know Jesus yet. Why, why not focus on us first and then go? Why not 
look after the 99 and, uh, and then, you know, once that's all okay and safely sorted out, then go after the one. You know what? If we did that, we'd never go. We'd never go. The reality is that all of us face different trials and challenges at different seasons. And right now, you might be going through a great season. Life is good for you. Things are sorted. You know, all your prayers have been answered. Uh, everything's working out well. And you're thinking, I'm okay. I'm, I'm doing good. You might be thinking, yeah, I, I could be, you know, going to look to reach those who don't know Jesus yet. Or you could be thinking, right now, life's tough. Just as Lucy was sharing so honestly earlier, you know, life has been tough. It's been a hard season. Maybe that's true for you right now. Maybe life is tough. Maybe there are family reasons for that. Maybe you've got children or siblings who are far from God and you're thinking, I just love them to return to the Lord. Maybe it's a work situation for you. It's like complex challenges. Which way to turn? How to work it out? It's a bit of a tough season. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe you just had that call from the doctor going, we, we need you to come in. We need you to, to come in. We need to discuss some, the, the test results and just to see what the way forward might be. Whether you're in a great season or whether you're in a challenging season, God calls us not just to care for one another, but to love those who don't know him yet. I'm not saying that loving one another is not important. Do you remember my message three weeks ago? Two weeks ago? Whether it was the first week we were back here. Three weeks ago, wasn't it? Week one. What do we talk about? Anyone here? Anyone remember? Loving one another. Loving God, loving one another. First week back here after, what was it? 18 months. First preach, loving one another. That's really important. But it doesn't stop there. I know some great churches who are fabulous at loving one another caring for one another and just meeting one another's knees and doing an amazing job in that. But not so great at looking out and going, you know what, there's a world around us who doesn't know Jesus yet. You know, I, I know some other churches that are fantastic at reaching out and doing all sorts of things that looking to reach those who are far from God and sort of forget about the love of one another thing, that's not important. No, no, both are important, friends. But the danger for us is we can think, let's get all this sorted sort of internally, if you like, to use that phrase first, and then reach out. But if we said that, it would never happen. Because just as one of us got sorted, just as one of us was like, life is good now, things are stable, kids are okay, job's good, uh, family's okay, our health, well, yeah, all, all good, we're, we, we're all good. Just as that happens, there'll be somebody else who goes, ah, oh, no, life has just collapsed. Fresh challenge. So if we waited, we'd be waiting forever. 
You know, you and I, we're never going to have a perfect life this side of heaven. Sorry if that's what you thought you signed up for. But the Bible doesn't say that. It doesn't say you can have a perfect life this side of heaven. It says that Jesus will be with you and will never leave you or forsake you. So it shouldn't stop us from reaching out. We need to be reaching out, loving, serving, ministering, as well as loving and caring for one another. Dave Holden, one of the senior leaders within New Frontiers, put it like this. He said, apostolically founded churches do not neglect to pastor people. They just do it in the right context, which is one of mission. We pastor people on the move and we equip them to go and reach others. And friends, that's exactly what they're seeking to do in this season. Church is not meant to be like some sort of luxury spa hotel. Do you like those places? I like those places. <laughs> it's, that's not what church is described like. It's not going to be a luxury spa hotel where you sort of go in and close the doors and it's all glorious and wonderful and bubbly and, you know, just like relaxing and, you know, oh, this is great for weekends. Church is going to be like that. It's more like a warship going into battle. We're on a mission, heading somewhere. And yes, a warship going into battle has got a hospital wing for those that are seriously injured and critical and need some extra care. But you know what? It's still moving forward. It's still going somewhere. It's still on mission. It doesn't stop, but it cares for people on the way. I think that's what church should be like. We care for people on mission, on the way. We're not seeking to build the church just so that our needs can be met, but rather in order that we can meet others' needs, to serve others and love them. So we're seeking to build the church to reach more people with the good news of Jesus and the love of God. It's why we're looking to employ somebody a, a day a week to, to help us with, the, with these outreach things that we've been talking about doing over the coming months. It's why in a few weeks' time we'll take a special offering to help fund some of the projects and initiatives that we want to do in the city. You know, loving those who don't know Jesus yet are, are serving the city. They're not just nice catchphrases. It's who we are who we are. The summary of Luke 15 is this, as we begin to wrap up. Lost people matter to God. Simple as that. You matter to God. I matter to God. People who are far from him matter to God. I wonder, do you believe that? Do you really believe it? Because if you do, it will affect everything about you. The way you live, your priorities, your time, how you spend your money, what you, what you do, the relationships you have, it will involve all of life. And for us as a church, as we bring this into fresh focus, it affects who we are and what we do. Changes our focus, changes the budget, changes everything. Changes our routine and rhythm. So what about you? Maybe this morning you feel a bit like the lost sheep or the lost son. 
maybe this morning you're the one that's wandered off and got a bit lost on the way and got a bit separated from the rest of the community and thinking, well, I'm not quite sure really what's going on anymore. Quite what life looks like. Maybe you've got a bit, you know, stuck in a ditch like the sheep may have done. This morning, if that's you, whether you're here in the room, whether you're watching this online, on a TV screen somewhere, if that's you this morning, you don't really feel part of things. You feel somewhat alone, maybe lost. This morning, I want you to remember that Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd who comes looking for you, seeking you, looking to find you, and carry you home. Remember, he goes after the one. God is just like the father in this story of the lost son, searching, waiting, arms open wide, urging you to return home. And as you do, comes to embrace you and loving you, lovingly welcome you back. Back to the community of his people, the other sheep. <laughs> you know, I know that life isn't straightforward for many of us right now. It hasn't been over the last 18 months, has it? And we're not quite sure what the next few months will hold, how things will work out, what it, what it will look like for us as a nation. Will there be some restrictions again on us or not? Or how, what it mean? We, we don't really know. But right now, we know that we can gather like this. We can worship. We can encourage one another. And I want to urge us that as we can do that, Let's take every opportunity to do that in order that we can love God, love one another, and love those who don't know Jesus yet. Jesus calls us to go, doesn't he? Matthew 28, I'm sure you know the verse as well. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age, said Jesus. Therefore, go. Not stay, not just get comfortable, but go and make disciples. Go to people who are far from God. Make disciples. So I want to encourage us, friends, in this season, let's serve, let's love, let's reach, let's minister the love of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. And let's see what God might do. You up for that? Let's stand together. I'd love to pray as we close our time together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you today that you are a God who goes after the one. And Father, we pray today for any who may describe themselves as like a lost sheep or a lost son. I pray today that your love and grace would reach out afresh and bring them back to you. 
Father, for any who have wandered away, a bit like the lost sheep we described earlier, I pray, Lord, let today be a day of coming home. And Lord, for any who have never really heard that message before, for any who may be either here in the room or on the live stream just looking in, I pray today, Father, for any who have never known what it means to have a relationship with you. God, I pray today that you would reveal your love and your grace and your goodness to them. And then we pray for ourselves right now. We pray that in this season, that, Father, you'd help us to look for fresh opportunities to reach out and love and minister your goodness and your grace to those around us. As we seek to be obedient to you as a church, we pray that you'd help us. Lord, help us always to love you first. Lord, help us to, to love one another and really care for one another, to encourage one another. And God, help us to keep loving those who are far from you, seeking to serve our city and beyond and demonstrate your love and goodness to it. So we pray, Lord, you would help us with these things. Father, would they come from a life and relationship with you that might overflow to those around us? We ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Come along on any Sunday morning.